Mojo Radio Show News. I say to you... you got to have Mojo, baby. Yeah! News with a difference. Cheating is on the rise in the workplace, and it's a good thing. Who said you had to have all the ideas? No one person has a monopoly on all the world's great ideas. In fact, sometimes the most unlikely people can come up with the goods, and often that's because they don't feel restricted to the usual norms. Ask your partner, friends or family. Start verbalising or get the ball rolling in an open forum. The seed of an idea might come from your discussion and give you the jumpstart you need. Remember, it's always easy to get too close to a project, so putting a fresh head onto the idea might be just what's required. So it's not really cheating. It's just making the most of all available resources. Mind you, Gordon Gecko did say, cheating is good, cheating is right, cheating works. Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Hey everybody and welcome to, or welcome back to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. If you are a regular... Thanks for getting back on the bus, the big red bus we know as the Mojo Radio Show. If you are new, welcome. Thanks for taking a chance on our little radio show. To bring you up to speed, if you're a newbie, what's the show all about? We just find interesting people from any walk of life who we think have their mojo working in or out of work. We extract what they do best to get their mojo working and then we share it so that we can all steal it and put it into our world. The driver of the big red bus, our chief engineer, Robbo. How are you this week, mate? A bit worse for wear this morning, to be honest with you, but um, yeah, I'm still here. Made it made it in this morning. I um, played footy yesterday and busted the schnoz for the sixth time in, how long have I been playing rugby? 33 years or something? So. <laughs> <laughs> It's couple becoming. A couple of black eyes and a bent schnoz this morning, but I'll be all right. As Jocko would say, good. Good, that's right. And uh, hello to the guy from DY who hit me with a beauty across the schnoz yesterday. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. My little girl asked me about my nose. She had it broken. I said a couple of times. Once was a backhander playing football in North Queensland yeah. by uh, the centre-half back. The other time was in the bottom <laughs> of a ruck actually playing rugby union for Teachers Norths in Brisbane. Oh, there you go. Nice. You hold the record for the longest losing sequence of games. I think when I finished playing, it was 45. Right. Is that because you were playing for them? <laughs> yeah, that just goes to show exactly how bad our A-grade side was. Yeah, right. Anyways, uh, before we start the show, quick shout out to Pete Harrison, who's a good mate of the show. Oh. He is the founder of Fish River Roasters, our favourite brew here in the studio. Mm. He is a terrific guy, a regular guest on the show, and just a top bloke, and uh, he turned the big 5-0. Bit of tiger snake to celebrate this morning, you reckon? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm running the hub blend this week. Right, okay. He does a special blend for a cafe that I frequent often called mm. The Hub, which is a an award-winning cafe, actually. Their breakfast is super. So I'm running The Hub this morning, but uh, what are you running, tiger snake? Ooh, a bit of tiger snake for me this morning. Yeah, very nice. Hi, it's Lane Beachley here, seven-time soul surfing champion. I've seen a lot of goofy footers and maybe a few kooks in my lifetime, but Robbo and Gary from the Mojo Radio Show, they definitely taste cake. Our guest this week is Tom Foxley and what's been really great about the show and I think I mentioned this last week is that with the momentum we've got in different parts of the world now, we're getting some really good thought leaders approach us saying, look, love your show, can I come on and have a chat? And Tom Foxley is one of the guys that did that. He wrote to me as a fan and said he was keen to come on. As a kid, Tom was diagnosed with a heart condition and doctors told him that it could kill him. 
Now, what's curious about Tom's story is that he he believed it. And so he went from being an athletic young kid into a timid, weak 14-year-old, which lasted until he was 17, until a teacher read an extract from a book in his college class, and that extract literally flipped his life around. And over the next couple of years, Tom changed his whole life by mastering his mindset, which is why it's a curious story to bring on to the Mojo Radio Show. He's a former elite branch member of the British military, and today he runs a business called Inner Athlete Performance Camps, and the Mind RX seminars, and he's also got his own podcast series. Uh, a really curious young guy, and we're delighted to have you here, mate. Tom, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Uh, thanks so much. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be speaking to you. So, Tom, when people ask you what you do, how do you like to reply? Um, so, I used to have this huge, long, like elaborate reply about it, but basically, I, I help athletes have the thoughts that help them. You've, if we go down that track for a second. You've said that training is a metaphor for life. So in your mind with the work you do, just explain that for me. Why is training a metaphor for life? Well, because um, under the under the duress of intensity, um, what we generally find is that the best of people and the worst of people is essentially displayed. So if you – and like – whether it's a coping mechanism that you've somehow picked up in in a previous evolution of training or whether it's your true nature, like who you fundamentally are and it's like the, the good shit, basically, it will come through under intensity. So this is something that I learned when going through training with the Royal Marines is probably the first time that I, I saw this. And you'd see these blokes get pushed completely to their what they thought were their limits and then far beyond. Um, and you very quickly saw really what a man was made of. Um, and then as like that's how I fell into CrossFit as well because utilizing the two trainings together really, really worked because that you kind of – I don't know how much experience you have with CrossFit, but within eight minutes you can get to a pretty dark place or within three minutes you can get to a pretty <laughs> dark place. So, so you really – you really bring out this intensity with people and you really bring out who they fundamentally are. And that's the uh, that's the fun of, of training for me. It sounds a lot like our normal interview process, Robo. After eight minutes, it normally gets pretty dark. Yeah, pretty, pain, pretty painful. <laughs> <laughs> the, you talk about, if we go down that, that off-ramp for a second, you talk about intensity tolerance and how hard we can push ourselves before we quit. When you're training with athletes or... I guess in your own mind, Tom, how do you how do you get beyond that quitting point? I mean, that's a, that's a real sticking point for a lot of us. How do we go beyond that point? Yes, yeah, so a really nice question. Um, the the kind of the biggest thing that I've come to realise, especially over the last year or so, is that we can I can give athletes all the specific mindset tactics they want. So I can take them through a ward and guide them through like the exact strategies, or whether it's a endurance session or whatever it is. I can I can give them like exact strategies and like this is what you th- want to think about. This is the kind of imagery you want to go through. These are the kind of like mental state you want to cultivate that will help you perform at your best. But unless we are doing like general mindset work, the specific stuff won't work. So what we need to do is really get people in a good headspace for the hours that they aren't training. Because as I, as I said, the, like, the intensity uh, and the duress of training brings out 
who you like any coping mechanisms you have so we need to practice this in the in the relatively clinical environment of just being at home like how do you how do you go back to your center how do you recenter in training um or in general life how do you clear your mind how do you have the right thoughts when you need to have the right thoughts and it's practicing this without the intensity it's almost like when you're learning to do weightlifting you're given a pvc pipe first before you're given the barbell um this is a very similar thing. We go through training reps. We have to cultivate it outside the gym. We learn to flip our perspective. We learn to go back to the long run. We, we learn to associate or disassociate w- with what we're doing. And then when we're introduced to intensity, then and like our heart rate's high, we're in a disgusting workout. It's like hot, something goes wrong. You then have the perspective to flip that or you have the ability to change your perspective very quickly. And it's like if we try and get people to do it like instantly, they're not going to be able to do it. So like there's there's a bunch of tools in there, but it starts with general mindset. So there's a guy or a girl going to work today and they're sitting on a bus or on a tube and they may not be a CrossFit athlete, but they are a corporate athlete and they're going to go to the office today. How would I, how would I exercise my mind in the corporate environment? So say a big event like my CrossFit championships is a big presentation I'm doing or closing a deal or writing a really kick butt presentation to somebody. Have you, could you give me an example of how I might do that away from the gym? Like how would I do that in a day-to-day corporate white collar environment the the principles of mindset apply so whether we are looking at a crossfit games athlete and they're at the peak of their career or whether we're looking for a tour de france athlete or whether we're looking for someone who just wants to make the most of their life and like excel in their career the principles carry across the board so it's um what we apply like for example what i apply in my athletic endeavors like i'm a brazilian jiu-jitsu athlete i do some crossfit as well um or a lot of crossfit i should say i also apply when I, it comes to growing my business mindset, so Rext and the the way I manage my team and any big seminars I take and and that kind of thing. So, like when we like the best thing to say is probably to start with listening to who you are. Is is really hearing your fundamental mindset and the um, the kind of the language that you use, the the emotional states that come up, and there's a bunch of other stuff that we need to look at. And it starts with self knowledge. Where we can kind of guide this is with a very simple journaling exercise where we try and stream your consciousness out onto paper. So whatever happens in your mind, you stream out your inner athlete or like your your inner inner uh, kind of corporate athlete onto paper. And whatever you firstly like the phrases that you use, whatever um, language you use, you put that onto paper. You don't restrict it you don't try and guide it you don't try and self-edit as you're going through um and then we like we look at any physical behaviors you have or any physical symptoms you have and we also look at emotional states and what we begin to do is when we get these on paper time and time and time again we begin to detach from that emotion we begin to not feel like it's us like that because it's very easy to say i am stressed i am tired i am nervous and we we hold this emotion and we hold the language like it's like it's true like it's really us but we know that's just synapses firing we know that's just a, a neural connection kind of going off what we need to do is learn to disassociate from that so when we get 
get our language and our and our kind of behaviors out onto paper onto paper we realize that we are not our behaviors we are not our language and that separation means that when you and repeatedly doing this like time after time after time it I was in a recent podcast and we spoke about this for a while and we um we, we kind of used the example of this guy that was interviewing me he was 35 and we're not going to rewire 35 years worth of neurology in a day's exercise it takes time to go over but when we do this enough what we eventually learn to do is spot the language that leads to negative um, outcomes before um, before we um, before it takes hold, and we also learn to kind of see ourselves more clearly, and we have that disassociation, we have that perspective on life. You just mentioned the inner athlete. That's something you talk about often, and you've described the inner athlete as the gap that lies between your current level and achieving your potential as a human being. Just talk me through what or who is the inner athlete? Like, what is that gap? Cool. So that's the that's kind of what I was just touching upon there, which is the the emotions you have. It's the um, it's the the language that you use. It's the it's the kind of the voice inside your head, the narrating voice that thinks it's in control, um, but it's really not. It's um, it's we can get into whole kind of discussions about free will, which would um, which would fascinate me, but, but kind of it would be completely <laughs> out of my depth at the same time. Um, but like whether like it's essentially someone described it perfectly the other day. In, I think it was Yuval Noah Harari in his book Homo Deus, but he talks about the the we think that that narrating mind, the one that's going around in your head, is is making the decisions. We think it's essentially the president. We think it's that kind of role, but it's actually this thing that kind of makes it. It, it kind of it is making everything or making justifications for everything else. So it's closer to a, pre, a press secretary, and it's it's kind of like these are the reasons we did this. These are the excuses. Um, so we need to learn to catch that um, that inner athlete. We need to learn to hear it, to see it, and to become really familiar with it. Because eventually, we can tame it and we take away its power instead of giving it its power over us. Athletic gold, brother, right there. That's gold. Tom, you, in a blog that I saw that you wrote, you said, we're caught up in this rat race of competition to such a degree that anything short of perfection is failure to us. And something I wanted to ask you about that with that word perfection is that it seems, whether it be a corporate athlete or a CrossFit athlete, that the comparison to perfection and knowing that perhaps I can't make it perfect and I can't do all the things I'd like to do in my own mind, that inner athlete, that gap, prevents us from even starting. Is that kind of what you meant by that? Is this, this whole comparison to others and the striving for perfection stands in the way of us getting a start and actually being the best we can be? Oh, 100%. You've, you've really nailed it there. The, like, we, we like to think that perfection is possible for us, whether we are about to hit an Olympic weightlifting meet or whether we're turning up to a, a work and we're delivering a presentation or, or agreeing accounts or whatever it is. We, we think that like the perfect outcome, we we seek the perfect outcome, and it could probably be a, a huge influence. This is, from this is obviously the education system and the way that things are scored, um, and like that is is put forward so that you either succeed or you don't succeed in relativity to perfection. And perfection as a whole is a myth. We can we can never attain perfection because there's always going to be someone that does it better for you, uh, better than you. Sorry, there's always going to be that 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 next level. You're always going to be um, 
be kind of capable of of doing a tiny bit more, but you're not going to. So when we when we strive for perfection, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for failure because we're never ever going to achieve it because you can always you can always look at oh I could have done this better or could have done that better. So the so the better alternative is to completely disregard perfection to um, to put it to one side and to put it there as like something that you'll never achieve and to simply say okay. I'm going to look for progress instead. And that this motto of progress over perfection is something that my mentors have like gone all over time, time again, Brian Grasso and Carrie Campbell. They've, they've mentioned it time, time again, and it's just embedded itself in my mind. And I try and pass on to all the athletes I work with as well. And so that, that, that motto progress over perfection, we can, we can never attain perfection, but we can always seek progress. And slowly by slowly, like like smallest increments, one percent at a time. If we just had one percent at one percent, and one of my one of my athletes who's also an accountant figured this out the other day. And it's like if we get one percent better every day, it doesn't just add up to three hundred and sixty-five percent because over a year, because of compounding interest, it gets like three thousand eight hundred and forty-six percent or something like that over a year. And you, if you get one percent better every single day, you just become a completely different person. That's what we need to look at. Um, and ironically, you get far closer to perfection through seeking progress than you ever would do through seeking perfection alone. This is something I like your perspective on, Tom. Is the psychology of ten reps in the gym holding us back? And I see personal trainers, I see coaches, I see people themselves with their pads writing down their notes in the gym. And it just seems to me that 10 is this whatever number that people choose and it becomes a ceiling and they're happy with that. Yet everybody in the gym is doing 10 reps. Is there something psychological behind 10 that is holding us back from being our best? I'm, I'm not sure on this one. I think that the, um, obviously you have the physiological benefits and the, the knowledge, which I think is going to be the the main thing people need to educate themselves off. And if people are, are stick around the 10 rep kind of range, then they like they need more education because like you're just going to get like the the lack of variety is not going to provoke a, a a change after long enough, but there's definitely a comfort there. Um, and when we are familiar, like when I talk about intensity tolerance, for example, and performing our best, familiarity is the is the kind of the cornerstone of this. We have like whether we're in a good mental state first, but then we have how familiar am I with the um, the environment, the training stimulus, and if I'm constantly familiar with just 10 reps at a time, then that's all I'm going to be kind of capable of and it's all I'll be familiar with and it's all I'll be comfortable with. So we need to we need to vary a bit more. And it's like, it depends which training stimulus you're looking for. It depends which kind of goal you're chasing, like who you want to be fundamentally. Um, but like, I think the the kind of, it's a, it's a simple, easy answer. It comes from years of bodybuilding and probably a, a lack of knowledge around training too. Can I ask a quick one in there? Because I'm a 10 reps a an exercise person as long as you're pushing yourself I mean by the time I get to the end of 10 reps I'm lucky to get out 10 so if I'm if I'm pushing myself then surely 10 is 10 right uh yes I I I get what you're coming from um the the kind of the answer that I'd be I'll be looking towards going towards or like uh, or that I'd be kind of attempted to give is is one of variety, and in, it's just a. It's, I think it's as much a physiological benefit that you need as a um, as an in, like as a kind of psychological benefit um, uh, from from pushing through his reps. It's interesting hearing your language, Robbo, because you said I'm lucky to get to ten. I guarantee, if you had somebody like Tom standing behind you, 
and you got to 10 and he was saying, I know you have it in you. Let's just have one more. I guarantee to be there. Yeah, my trainer's usually yelling at me. <laughs> Come on, pussy. We had a, we had a guy on the, on the line a couple of weeks ago, Tom, and his name was Brian Falchuk, and he wrote a book called Do A Day. And there was something we talked about I'd like your, your opinion on. He said that all his life he'd been the fat kid and that was his persona. That was the story he told himself. And then suddenly he started to work out and he started to enjoy running and then he ran a marathon. And he said what was really profound was the day he changed his mindset from I'm the fat kid to I'm an athlete. Is there a mindset change you see with people? I'm talking the, the punter in the street like us. Is there a change you see with people when they go from I'm going to the gym to work out or I'm going to the gym because I have to, to when they start saying, actually, I'm seeing results, now I'm an athlete. Is there a psychological change in just the way we frame I am? Yeah, absolutely. The, the stories we tell ourselves entirely dictate our behaviours. We, we cannot, um, as human beings, act outside without our belief systems. And I'll, I'll use stories and beliefs interchangeably um, because they're essentially the same thing. Our stories are something that we've told ourselves enough until we believe it as fact. And that's from that point on the way that we see the world. Um, so what usually happens is slowly but surely well, you, you start training at the gym and you believe you're the type of person you can probably go to the gym once or probably go to the gym twice. And from this point, you begin to realize that through, for example, like you say you've got 10 reps, but you eke out the 12th and the 13th rep and you get those extra reps. You, you begin to question your beliefs about what you're actually capable of and and you begin to question your beliefs of, of who you actually are. And like you get this this slow undermining of of your entire persona and your entire story that you've built around. And this is why, the, this is the main reason I fell in love with CrossFit actually, because I watched when I was coaching people, this belief of I'm only capable of so much fade away. They, I watched this, like I can only snatch this weight. I can only do this many reps. I can only do this much time. And this is who I am change because through a bit of trickery and misleading people slowly but surely who they fundamentally believe they are got flipped and what we eventually realize is that there is no story and the stories that we tell ourselves when we release ourselves from acting within accordance to them when we kind of get that perspective and and see that we are entirely dictated through our stories and our beliefs that our potential is so close to limitless that it's it, near enough using the same phrasing. The, I don't quite believe in limitless potential because obviously genetics and all that kind of stuff, but it's a, it's a useful way to think. It's so close to limitless when we reduce these and remove these stories of who we believe we are that we might as well act that way. What's the amplification of success? I've seen you write about it, talk about it. Just explain that for me. What's the amplification of success? Okay, so I, I think you're kind of, it's, I use phrases interchangeably a, a fair amount, but I think where you're going is how, how we, how we like, we got a baseline success level and where we, we kind of say it's a, it's a 10 out of 100. We believe it's a 10 out of 10. Um, it's just the slow process of, of realigning that belief system. So as I said, we cannot act outside our belief system, but if we slowly get to learn the language that we use, the behaviors that we go through, the emotions that we bring up on a regular basis, when we really get to know them, 
we stop being completely attached to that. And from there, we start to change our behavior. So it's a, it's a process of essentially getting to know your, yourself better. It's, it's self-knowledge turned up to 10. And when we, when we really know ourselves, then we can amplify success. Then we can create the change from there. If I take you back a bit, Tom, you, you mentioned at the head of the show that you were in the British military for quite a while. And I guess having heard that story, and here you talk about the great work you're doing today with athletes. You left the, the British military, and I'm, I'm just wondering why, why leave when, when I hear you talk about how you approach CrossFit, getting your athletes through that bridge, through that gap to find their best self. Why leave? Why did you not implement all the things you're talking about in your life in the British military? Yeah, nice. Um, like, so first of all, it's probably worth saying that I was a reservist. So as, as a reservist that I was not in full time, I had my, like I was coaching CrossFit at the same time. I was personal training at the same time. So I had that. I also have, um, like a I have a girlfriend that I've been with for eight and a half years now, so a, a life partner that I've, I've been with for a long time. So I had these conflicting interests. And the the military is fantastic for a lot of people. Um, but I had a lot of stories about what I was capable of and who I was at the time that didn't quite sit right. So whilst I was in for just under four years, um, I kind of I passed out training. I kind of did all the, the, the initial exercises and stuff and realized that you know what, this isn't quite right for me. The, the being the best version of myself, I feel, especially at the time, I felt that I was a bit more creative than that. Like I could, um, like I could, I don't know, achieve maybe more for myself outside the military than inside the military. And whilst the military is full of fantastic people and far better men than I'll ever be, um, it's, it wasn't the right decision for me. So that, that was why I kind of came out and the, also the, the time demands as a reservist you you go away like pretty much every third weekend or so for a long weekend you don't sleep at all and you get thrashed for a, a long time you go away for up to four weeks a year or you get deployed for six months and and that kind of thing so I, I left that thinking you know what it's it was brilliant and I learned more about myself in those weekends and months away and and kind of the the weeks without sleep I learned more about myself in those than I had done in the 19 20 21 years however long it was before I uh, before I joined is it fair to say you're on a bit of a self exploration point in your life now Tom because I hear you talk about vulnerability for you and some of the lessons you you take from looking back over that time and also you talk about vulnerability in training. Is this kind of an interesting time for you where you're starting to come to grips with a few of these things? Yeah, like, um, I think it's, it's – if we're taking life advice from a 26-year-old, um, I think that <laughs> like, when we're – when we, like, I think that I'm continually looking to explore myself and and who I am and um, and the the only thing that I the only standard that I hold myself to is that of growth. Am I growing as a human being? Am I exploring new things? And I, the the vulnerability thing is interesting, um, especially like it's come at a really good time actually because I've just been doing even more deep journaling on myself. Um, I want to kind of reach my next level, and I realised I had this. Essentially, like my my story, why I got into the military to begin with, why I um why I ended up going down the the route I wanted to go, why I kind of ended up needing to succeed as such, is because 
I am I allowed to swear on this this show? As much as you like. <laughs> okay, great. So I I had a really shit time at school. I had the shit kicked out of me every single day from the age of I don't know twelve to sixteen or seventeen or so. Like I like I began getting anxiety because of it, and it eventually led to heart problems. Um, and I just I, I had a really shitty time to be honest. And what I've realised is. In the intervening years, in the decade or so since then, um, or more even, um, I essentially created this huge piece of armor around me. This this thing that protected me and did like this is what I was talking about coping mechanisms before. I created this this, this suit of armor that stopped all the hurtful shit coming in. But it also stopped me um, accepting advice. It stopped me deepening relationships with friends and my partner. Um, it stopped me kind of expressing myself and becoming vulnerable. And the way I look at this with athletes as well is that we put on this shell because it keeps us, we think, safe. But it we, it stops us from expressing ourselves in careers. It stops us from expressing ourselves as athletes. And it stops us fundamentally being who we are after we think we are pretending to be somewhere else. We think that's going to keep us safe, but it's only ever going to um, prevent us from self-actualizing. There's, um, I th- I'm going to butcher a quote by Abraham Maslow, it's like it's in Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, and he says um, something like, um, a poet must write, a painter must paint, um, and all these kind of things. And we essentially we essentially stop ourselves from doing that because he, he goes on to say that if we don't do that, we're going to be fundamentally unhappy for the rest of our lives. And this is, this is where I'm going. This is the kind of the route that I'm looking to travel down. Um, and essentially a route of self-actualization. I realized that the more vulnerable I can be, the more open and honest I can be, the more aware I am of what needs to change in order to create change in my life. There was something interesting just on that track, Tom, uh, in an interview you did on your podcast, on your show, you interviewed Brett Fikowski and the show is about the champ's mindset, how to develop self-knowledge. And one thing that you said in a blog when you're writing about that interview is that Brent talked about knowing what self-talk is best for your performance. And I was curious about that because you hear self-talk, we've talked about it on the show already. It's something that people who are doing mental strength training talk about a lot, but I've never heard anybody talk about knowing what self-talk works best for your own personal performance. Can you talk about that? Did Brent explain what he meant by what sort of self-talk? Yeah, sure. Um, this is this is a really cool way to put this. Um, so uh, imagine you're running a marathon and we use the the phrase that we um, that we used earlier. So you start off, you've got 26.2 miles to do or how many kilometers that is. And you, like, you take one step and you say, right, stop being such a pussy, crack this out, go faster, go harder, push harder, push harder. You're not good enough. You need to go. Imagine that for four hours. Like that sounds shit. Like that sounds like an awful time, and that's just going to make you your performance plummet. Um, what's much more appropriate self-talk for, for that environment is something that's kind of more calm, collected, something that's um, disassociated from from that. So people describe um, running marathons as moving meditation because you learn to kind of space out. You learn to separate yourself from your actions. But if I'm going to go to a world record um, powerlifting meet and I'm looking to set a world record for my um, 
for my deadlift, I don't want to go up to that bar with the same um, the same mental attitude as as I would for a marathon because you'd be kind of lethargic, you'd be too slow, you'd be spaced out. You want to be that powerlifter, not probably the ones that are smashing their nose against the bar and bleeding before they even kind of pick the bar up. But you want to be amped up, you want to be hyped up, you want to be more assertive. Um, I essentially describe it as somewhere between spectrum of that um, that paternal figure, that like kind of paternal like right sort your shit out and get on with it, and the maternal caring. Um, like side of things so not only do we have that huge spectrum there but we have your own personal variations within that so one of the phrases that works um very well for me is kind of a centering phrase and the centering phrase i use is adventure warrior and that sounds corny as fuck and um it's kind of one of those phrases when you hear it you're like oh that doesn't sit right but for me that means everything athletically that I want to be. So it has the adventurer side, which is like the, um, the, the big mountain skiing. That's my big thing. Like one of my dreams is to go over to Japan and do some big mountain skiing there, do some like ski touring, that kind of stuff. Um, or go out heli skiing in, in Canada, that side of things. Um, I go out to the Alps whenever I can and, and do skiing. So there's that side, there's the warrior side, which is obviously the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, it's the, it's the kind of the mindset associated with that. And then within that is the CrossFit kind Kind of the the physical body. So when I say that phrase to myself, I have such a huge awareness of what that means to me, and such a um, such a kind of almost a, a visceral pull towards what that means to me. And I know exact. There's no definition of it that is exactly right, but I feel pulled towards being the best version of myself when I say that phrase. But if I was going to say that to um, someone who's just in the gym, just doing like who's completely different to me, or someone who's um, like going to work to do or like in a yoga class, it wouldn't work for them because it, it's not who they are. It's just, it, it comes down to this essential rule. And again, this is from Brian Grasso and Carrie Campbell. They, they talk about a one size fits one solution. So it's so common to say, like, use these 10 phrases. These 10 phrases are going to help you out when you go to weightlifting. And whilst it might work for 80% of the population, you're still missing 20% at the same time. So it's, it's about creating a one-size-fits-one solution, individual solution uh, for, the, for the problem at hand. Here's, here's a question for you that I think a lot of people are struggling with. And I saw a statement by a guy called... Trevor Cashy, who is an Ohio-based performance and nutrition coach, and he said, performance and health are not the same. Performance is about pushing boundaries. Health is about staying within them. And he said that the benefits that most people are seeing from training for performance and or health, they overlap. But the more you push performance, the further you get from health. CrossFit is quite extreme. And you do hear media reports of people who are hurting themselves because of poor form and pushing themselves. It's an interesting place for someone who is coaching athletes in that arena. Then at the same time, we want the outcome to be wellness and health. It must be a bit of a gray area there somewhere, Tom, where it's the more you push like for a marathon and there they're saying, well, the more you go into that zone where you are almost pushing yourself or hurting yourself in order to be your best, is taking you away from health and wellness. 
how do we how do we straddle that gray area? Yeah, brilliant question. And um, as with any training methodology uh, methodologies, there's there's always that risk of, of falling to either side of the spectrum. Um, and I completely agree. Like CrossFit, in fact, in the in the level one, they they talk about the spectrum of, of health and wellness. And I can't remember exactly. And I'd, uh, it's a sign I need to go do my CrossFit level one again. But there's there's a spectrum, <laughs> and as you push as you push through that spectrum towards performance, you do lose that like so for for example the final phase of training in the Royal Marines as a, as a reservist anyway is you go through um, like a week-long exercise I think it's five or six days um, which is you sleep maybe half an hour a night maybe 45 minutes a night but you're up and you're running around and you just get completely broken for those for those six days you then have a day off and then you go into the commando tests which includes um, the endurance course which is two and a bit miles of tunnels and crawling all with weight on your back of course um and then a four mile run and then you've got nine mile speed march which is basically a nine mile run with all the kit on and then you've got the tarzan assault course which is probably the most fun but brutal like 13 minute sprint ever um and then you finish off with a 30 mile like a th- what's called the 30 miler which is a 30 mile run across dartmoor which is kind of um the most beautiful hellhole on earth um <laughs> and you like at that end point there was no way I was healthy when I finished that when I could barely walk that is not the sign of health um so what this comes down to but but in terms of mental health it was exactly what I needed to achieve so there we have an interesting dichotomy between mental health and like I know I needed to push that point um but physical health I was definitely not healthy for probably six to eight weeks after that I was not in a good place to train I didn't want to train I just felt kind of like my CNS was fried from all of that um so there's there's definitely there's there's definitely that 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 spectrum as you kind of alluded to and you spoke sorry you spoke explicitly about um what this comes down to is knowing yourself it's not knowing what you want to achieve it's knowing who you want to be and that's it sounds like a nuanced difference it sounds like i'm being very picky with my language but knowing who you want to be knowing like your version of the adventure warrior is what can guide you away from maybe overtraining and going down the the kind of destroying yourself through performance route but also not straddling into the lack of health um so it it as always it comes down to knowing yourself it comes down to self-knowledge it comes down to having a vision of what success is for you in short i ask every single athlete who do you want to be in three years time um and that's a big question for people but when we have that guiding philosophy and we have that that bigger worldview have a macro view of the world and not and the way our lives want to span out then the decisions become very easy and we it's not so difficult to straddle that line um it's 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 in fact very obvious where the decisions are because in every moment i now have the the option it's to ask myself i've got like a billion different options with my training but i can say which is the one that takes me close to being the adventure warrior and it's immediately obvious the path I take and whether I want to blur that line or whether I want to kind of, uh, whether I want to kind of take a step back or whether I want to take a step forward. So it's about, in short, it's it's knowing who you want to be. Are we losing track of that, Tom? Because something on your website, it seems that your mission is to help people become the athlete that they've dreamed of, which which is nice. It's noble and I, I like that premise. And then hearing you talk about the world view, 
Well, the world is quite unhealthy and quite large right now and we need to make some changes. Are we losing the ability to look in the mirror and dream of what a healthy or well us looks like? Because there's no way the majority of many countries are not well. And you must be thinking every morning they're looking in the mirror, what are they seeing? And are they not seeing a healthier version of themselves? With your experience with the people you work with or what you do, are we not seeing the right things in the mirror? Yeah, well, it's, um, again, a really nicely phrased question and, and really kind of um, a good way to look at perspective. It comes down to our influence and the beliefs that I spoke about before are formed by influence. And obviously we have the evolutionary influence of genetics and and millions of years worth of evolution that we we cannot stray away from. But we also have the other three E's as well. And I'll probably forget one of them we have experience what we experience in the world so like our own personal experience um and the kind of the implicit lessons we pick up um we have the uh whilst we got education so again what the explicit lessons we're told about the world and this could be um that it's fine to be overweight it's fine to be unhealthy it's fine and i'm not going to argue with that but that's the way that the world view is at the moment that's the general culture at the moment um and then finally, we have the environmental as well. So this is more of a societal look at things. This is like, this is the 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 Weltanschauung, like the kind of the entire worldview at the moment and the way and the kind of the, the general feeling of the world right now. Um, and this is where I think things are skewed a bit. And it's this influence of the culture that creates the beliefs that it's okay to be like this because everyone else is, or um, it's okay to be unhealthy, or it's okay. It's, it's, I'm not saying it's right or wrong even. I'm just saying that is the product of, of the belief systems that we hold right now. It's the product of the cultural shifts that we have. Um, and I think there's going to be a huge change. Like uh, There already is being a huge change, but over the next 50 years, which is a cosmic blink, it's really going to change. And um, that's, that's an exciting time, but I... Uh, God knows where it's going to end up in in kind of a hundred years, but um, I think we're on a, a better path right now as um, as the as as we find the the grey area. I think it, it it it's essentially swinging like a pendulum, and we had the big swing um, towards um, basically comfort. And the, I love the phrase that we often confuse comfort with happiness. We swung really a long way towards comfort um, and probably CrossFit and bodybuilding. We're probably pulling it the other way, um, which is the, like in terms of the grand scheme of things, very close to each other. And then slowly that pendulum is is swaying into the middle where like, and it's pretty much what we spoke about before. That's where the, the healthy area lasts. You've talked recently about your struggle to control negative feedback and the negative voice. And I just wonder, Tom, whether people listening to this go, well, it's okay for you, mate. It's okay for you because you're there every day. And it's okay for you because you're not carrying this weight. It's okay for you. When you meet people who want to get into CrossFit or are coming to that point where they have, they finally have that dream and they're prepared to make that step, how do you help them get through that negative voice or that negative feedback that they're getting from others or they're getting from themselves? How do you? What have you learned about yourself that you can then pass on to help people step through that? Yeah, so like, this is this is a really important point to to show. Uh, 
some people might have, have guessed it from what I was saying earlier, but when I was in that, in like when I was getting bullied, when I had zero confidence, I was in a really mentally tough place. Um, I, I've no idea whether it could be categorized as depression or anxiety or anything like that because I never went through any of the testing phase, but I was in awful space mentally where my self-worth was zero, where I, I kind of... I wasn't suicidal or anything, but I definitely wasn't enjoying life. Um, it was a, it was a really shitty place to be in. And I'd like, I just wanted like some way to change things. And like, I was completely apathetic and nihilistic. I just like, there's no meaning in the world. Everything's going to like, everything's pointless. Everything's going to die and just like, and screw the, <laughs> screw the world. Um, and that was me for such a long time. So n- what the shift that happened was slow but it's eventually in getting to know myself like I've spoken about before. And if we go down tactics of this, we have the journaling exercise that I spoke about before, like hearing your inner athlete. But then on the other side of things, which again, like it takes some time to do because we're changing decades worth of neurology, we have um, we begin to do an exercise called an AMWAP. And you've, to, do that, to get that pun, you've got to know CrossFit and the, 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 uh, the acronym of AMRAP, which means as many reps as possible or as many rounds as possible. Um, and then I have an AMWAP, as many wins as possible. So what we do at the end of every day is we begin to jot down all the positive things that have happened um, during that day, all the things that have, have made you feel good, essentially, um, because the the mind has this negativity bias. It, um, I'm sure you've heard the the analogy that your mind is like Teflon um, for for positive events, and it's like um, Velcro for negative events. Any negative events just stick and they play themselves round and round and round in your mind. And every time you bring them up, the negative connotations get brought up too. And then you remember the negative connotations more. And then soon all you're remembering is the negative space that you're in, the the bad place that you're in. Um, And this is just like something that pervades your life. But when we do the AMWAP on a regular basis, we do as many wins as possible. And we, we learn to see with a bit more perspective, we build up positivity. We, um, we learn to see the world essentially with more truth, but that, that takes the form of reminding ourselves of the positive stuff that happens. It takes the form of showing ourselves that we are capable of change and proving to ourselves and looking at the positive proof. Um, it's like there's a, there's a bucket and the negative proof bucket, it takes like five times less time to fill up with negative proof until it's overflowing. But then you've got the positive bucket, which needs to constantly be reinforced. You need to put like drop by drop by drop by drop. You need to fill that bucket up with positive proof that you can be the person you want to be. Um, and that's that's the, the, the slow process of change or, or a, a small part of the slow process of change anyway. That's nice. That's good. Hey, uh, just one uh, quick thing before we go. Is there study, is there research or data or in your own mind the experience that you have drawn from the distraction of phones and or social feeds, texts or emails that you are constantly checking whilst working out, is that affecting the efficiency and the efficacy of our workout? Is there any sort of stats, data, do you have any knowledge that backs up the fact that this could be 
damaging and or not making as efficient as possible our workouts? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, I don't know the the, the knowledge, uh, the data and the studies off the hand, but I'm just going to look over my shoulder whilst I look at my friend's book, um, which is, uh, let me find it, <laughs> Unplugged by Dr. Andy Galpin and Brian McKenzie. Um, they are really on the, on the, on the front end of, of discovering like all kinds of stuff about presence and awareness and how it relates to performance and breath work and cold. Um, but they, their book unplugged is a really fascinating insight into, into the, the damages. I think you, I think you phrase it really well, actually the damage that the technology can have when we're looking to, um, when we're looking to perform our best and there's, all kinds of studies that you can look at. Um, Buddha's Brain is another book that's full of examples of this and studies and there's really sign, like a neuroscientific view of, of this with full of data. Um, so that's the place to look. But simply from a place of performance, I know that the athletes that I work with won't perform their best if their phone is in their hands and they're scrolling through Instagram between sets. I know that they won't do well if they're constantly checking their heart rate monitor. Um, so, and because what it's essentially doing is pulling yourself away from the much more reliable and much more accurate natural feedback that you're getting from your body. So what we need to do is become more in tune with that and stop distracting ourselves with technology and, and get back to feeling the way that we should be and that's that's probably the, the biggest thing that we've lost which is that that sense of, of feeling um feeling or, or getting proper feedback from our body it's funny you know just without elaborating too much on it but just hearing you say that it's probably a very good metaphor that shows how we are not in touch with ourselves is that we can't if we're working out if we're not feeling the set completely immersed in it, 100% committed to it. But in fact, we do that set, but we're thinking about the last Instagram feed or the feed we're about to go and check. We're not being present in the moment. And it's probably a really good metaphor to explain in the most simplistic sense how we struggle to stay in the moment, isn't it? Yeah, that's beautiful. That's 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 a really kind of um, a really smart observation. And I, I really like that. It's the, the it's exactly the situation. How much of a symbol do we need that we aren't able to focus and that we need to be more, probably more sympathetic to ourselves than we can't spend more than 10 seconds without distracting ourselves from who we are and distracting ourselves probably probably from discomfort as well there's like without getting too fucking dismal at the end of this um <laughs> like there's there's a there's a degree of discomfort that's going on there's a degree Degree of angst and a degree of unhappiness and um, and like dissatisfaction between most people where they are and what they want to achieve and we fill this gap or we we don't even fill the gap we we think we're filling the gap but we distract ourselves between the gap between where we are and where we want to be by scrolling through social media and like obviously I fall into the trap sometimes too companies like Facebook spend billions and soon trillions of dollars making sure that that's what we do. So trying to compete against it is a very, very difficult thing, but it starts with becoming more self-aware, with getting more perspective and knowing yourself better. It's funny that you could do a whole show on that, Tom, because hearing you say that, a lot of mental strength coaches, Dr. Jason Selk and Michael Gervais, and we've had you know, a load of guys on, because this is a topic, Dr. Meg J, this is a topic that people are fascinated by. And one common thread through it is to basically embrace discomfort. So if you want to grow, 
embrace the discomfort, or as David Goggins, the US Navy SEAL, would say, embrace the suck. And it's interesting hearing you say that in the most rudimentary, fundamental sense, is if you are doing a set of lat pulldowns, the more discomfort you feel, or the more the suck happens, the more you can start to embrace it, which is where growth comes from. So as it's absolute stripped down metaphor that going to the gym, if you are not 100% in that moment, then you can't embrace that suck or embrace the discomfort, in which case you're missing opportunity to grow. And perhaps people are distracting themselves from doing that because they want to stay, to your point before, comfortable, not discomfortable. They want to stay comfortable, not feel discomfort, in which case they use social as a way to distract themselves from that point. So there's there's probably a lot to that very simple example. Yeah, we've we've done a really nice full circle there with the training being a metaphor for life. Um, And that's that's exactly it. Like we that is like your your (laughs) true self, your true discomfort and like and to get like to to what I actually believe in, just just like to kind of touch on it. The reason that I love doing what I do is because I know that I'm not just building better athletes, I'm building better human beings. And there's this beautiful phase with an athlete I'm working with at the moment, and she has been struggling with nutrition, she's been struggling with training, um, and eventually she's got it going right. But in in getting to that point, we've uncovered these truths about how she feels about um, like her relationship with the family and stuff like that. And not only has she become a much, much better athlete, but suddenly she's excelling at work. She's developing deeper relationships. She's got a, a relationship with a partner and she hasn't had that kind of that, that relationship before or a, a relationship that level. Like we just begin to upgrade our life. And, and that's why, like, that's why I love doing what I'm doing. That's that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because we're not just creating better athletes at Mindset Rex, we're creating better human beings too. Well, I reckon it's a great place to wrap up. So we want to be respectful of your time, mate. I I've really enjoyed I could I honestly could talk to you for hours about this. I think there is so much to dig into. The more I talk to you, the more stuff I want to ask you about. So uh, firstly, thank you for your time and for sharing and being so honest and upfront. No worries, it's a, it's a pleasure. Um, it's been a real pleasure. People who want to find out more about you and dig into the stuff you're doing, because it is, it, there is a lot of interesting work and you've got lots of different ways people can interact with you. Where do you send them? Where's your hub? Yeah, so the, so the, the hub is probably uh, mindsetrx.com, which is mindsetromeoxraydelta.com. Um, but you can find my podcast, which is MindsetRx Podcast. And if you can't get enough of British accent, that's where you go. Um, <laughs> and there's... There's also my Instagram, which is at Tom Foxley, which is F-O-X-L-E-Y. And then uh, as much as Mr. Zuckerberg wouldn't like it, I use my personal profile to kind of spread the word and talk about Mindset Rx and kind of and talk about mindset as a whole. So if you search for me, Tom Foxley, and give me a follow on Facebook, um, you can you can find me there. And I think that's, I think that's all the avenues. I, I yeah. want to thank you too, mate, because next time I go to the gym and my trainer says, right, let's do 10 reps, I'm going to say, well, actually, no, Tom said I should mix it up, so let's just do three. Ha, 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 ha.
Yeah, that, that's exactly my purpose for this whole podcast. That's there you perfect. go, beautiful. Your no, job is done. It, it actually, Tom, what you need to understand is that where you've taken Robbo from, because he, what he would have said before was, here, mate, hold my beer and watch this. So we actually have made some progress through the show. Tom, it's been a delight, mate. I, um, I know it's late at night for you over there in the UK. We do appreciate your time. I really have enjoyed hearing you speak and I uh, hope people do follow you up and look at the stuff you do because you do good work, mate. Thank you. Thank you so much, gents. It's been a real privilege. The Mojo Radio Show. All that talk about embracing discomfort makes me want to go out and exercise now. Well, I thought you were going to say all that talk about discomfort makes me look in the mirror. Because <laughs> <laughs> right now you look like you are embracing some discomfort yeah. with that broken schnoz. Oh, i got to tell you, even putting the glasses on the face this morning hurts. <laughs> Mate, even looking at you hurts. Yeah, I'm sure. The Mojo Radio Show. What I, I do enjoy getting mail from people and we had a listener write to us and say, could we do something around testosterone or as we know in the business, tea? Yeah. There's not too much of a lack of testosterone in this studio, might I add. No, I mean, we could we could wrap it on about it and we could read a whole bunch of stuff on it and read it out on air. But to be honest, I'd rather get an expert on a guy who walks the talk, who is an expert in this sort of stuff. So what I was thinking is, would it be worthwhile ringing Smithy, Michael oh. Smith, our resident Mojo Radio Show doctor? Yep. Uh Ring the doc in Vancouver and see whether he is awake and willing to talk. All right, hang on a sec. Let's just find his number here. It's a good thing I don't have to use the white pages. Imagine trying to look up Michael Smith in that. Smithy. Smithy. How's it going, guys? Good, mate. Quick question. Yep. I had a conversation with somebody and then read an article to say that testosterone, which is an important element for many of us, is on the decline. What is testosterone? And are you seeing research to say that in us, it's on decline? Yeah, so testosterone is our most important sex hormone for men. It's also important for women, but for men, it's definitely declining. And I see that you'll see that in people, there's a lot more infertility, there's a lot more people going to IVF. There's a lot more men who cannot conceive because of low testosterone levels. So it's happening over the last 30 or 40 years, and there's a lot of different reasons for it from more environmental toxins like uh, xenoestrogens, which are found in plastics and um, personal care products and all that type of thing, to uh, smartphones, computers. They can also affect like the EMFs have been shown to damage uh, sperm quality and lower testosterone. Uh, the diet that people are eating is... There's many different reasons that testosterone levels are dropping. Now, my understanding is testosterone is important, let's say for guys, for strength, uh, building muscle, bone density, uh, well-being, and also libido and mood. Is stress our workload, our daily lives, our poor lifestyle choices of food, sleep and so on, is that all affecting our testosterone? Because it sounds like it's a really important element of us as individuals. Yeah, so stress will affect testosterone levels. Stress leads to higher cortisol, uh, which is your main stress hormone, and that affects something called the aromatase enzyme. And what that tends to do in men is convert testosterone into estrogen. 
So you'll find men that are a little bit overweight, they'll have, you know, start getting man boobs. That's a sign of high estrogen and they'll, whoever's got high estrogen will always conversely then have low testosterone. Poor, poor sleep will do the same thing. So sleep apnea, snoring, uh, just people who are busy and not sleeping seven or eight hours a night, they're going to end up with lower testosterone because of this stress that it causes on the body. Across the board, across the world, men's testosterone is dropping. We know it can lead to some pretty bad things, particularly lower libido and mood and so on. What do we do about it? Do we need to take something? Is it a diet thing? Is it an exercise thing? Or is it all of them? It, it can be all of them, but the, the last thing you want to do is take something, especially um, testosterone replacement, because that will switch off your own body's production and you'll be reliant on it forever. So that's like a last resort thing when you've tried everything else. But normally when you try the simple things, testosterone levels will improve and you don't need sort of these magical testosterone boosting herbs that you see advertised on the internet. So we've talked about diet before. That's always the first place to start and making sure you get plenty of fat because you need fat as like a, uh, to make cholesterol and cholesterol is the precursor into making more testosterone. So you need all the salads, vegetables, you know, proteins, and importantly, avoiding all the crappy stuff that we've spoken about before, all the sugars and processed foods, because that's going to have the opposite effect on testosterone and increase your estrogen levels. So diet's always the first place to start. That's funny. You've already, yeah. But it's funny though, Smithy, because you hear about cholesterol, which essentially in most areas of the media and the medical professionals, cholesterol is demonized. Like they're saying that we don't, we should have low levels. Is the fact that it's been demonized a fact of why our testosterone is starting to drop because we are so emphatically obsessed with getting rid of our cholesterol and keeping lower levels, yet you've just said cholesterol is an important marker for testosterone. Where, where does all that fit? Well, cholesterol is important for everything, brain health, uh, higher cholesterol is, show, you know, is associated with longevity. So people eating low-fat diets will end up getting lower cholesterol, but it could end up leading to lower testosterone. There's a lot of people now on statins in a younger and younger age, and statins are one of the medications that will also lower your testosterone levels. In fact, there's a lot of common drugs that people use that can lower testosterone from antidepressants, antihistamines, blood pressure medications, uh, there's a hair loss drug that I'll often see guys taking called finasteride, which will also lower testosterone. They might have their hair, but they'll have no libido to go with it. <laughs> Is that you, Robert? <laughs> no, it's funny though, because I'm one of the statin guys. I um, I had a well, a minor coronary event 10 years ago and, uh, and my cardiologist put me on statins and um, it, at the same time, I decided, okay, this is ridiculous. I've really got to look after my health and all that sort of stuff and started going to the gym, went back to the cardiologist. To, and, and before I went back to the cardiologist was feeling weird, just feeling these different changes in sort of my mood and everything else. And, um, and said to him, you know, told that to him and he looked at my blood test results from throughout the year. And because I'd been exercising and adopted healthy lifestyle, but he'd also put me on these statins, my cholesterol was actually dangerously low, like dangerously low. Um, and, and he explained all this to me then. And it's, it's true, isn't it? It's, um, statins can, can be good, but you've also got to be really careful with them. 
Yeah. Are you still taking statins? No, no. He took me off them straight away. <laughs> so oh, okay. I, was on, I was on them for like 12 months, 10 years ago, but that was my experience was, okay, at the time my cholesterol was really high and that contributed to this, this cardiac event. But at the same time when that happened, I made the mental decision that I was going to, you know, change diet, change exercise regime and all that sort of stuff. And in that 12 months between visits with him, that's when all this happened. Yeah, well, I think statins are way overprescribed, so very few people actually need them. Yeah. But that's, yeah, so cholesterol is one of the things that will actually improve your testosterone levels. So we've got eat well, cut out the crap. And honestly, people should know what that means because that's not, that's just health 101. We know sleep is, is important to it. So if you're only getting five, four or five hours, then you want to increase that to seven or eight hours. That will help your testosterone. So we've got those two boxes ticked. The other thing I have heard a number of the medical professionals in the podcast world talk about is lifting heavy weights can be a good thing for improving your testosterone levels. What's your view on that, Smithy? Yes, yeah, so lifting heavy weights is definitely good. And that's why you'll see a lot of bodybuilders and weightlifters always focusing on sleeping a hell of a lot as well because they're trying to do both. They're trying to boost their testosterone and lift heavier weights. So it's it's actually heavy weights that you need to lift, like so things like squats and that type of thing. On the flip side, people doing endurance training, so you know, training for marathons or long-distance events can end up with low testosterone and low hormones across the board. So... And there's, there's a balance that, you know, so overtraining, whether it's um, CrossFit or anything like that, overtraining can lead to low testosterone. So you don't need one hour gym session. You just need good, uh, you know, two, three times a week of lifting heavy weights. I reckon that's changing now, Smithy. I reckon you're right. I, um, back, in the, back in the day, it was always my understanding is you had to have a, a gym session of 90 minutes and it was cardio and weights, and, but you had to be in the gym for, for 90 minutes three, four days a week to get any value. But I find myself now, I just don't, I don't want to spend that much time in there, but going in and doing 20 minutes, making it work, little rest in between, going as heavy as you possibly can, and then including mobility between exercises. And now I'm hearing more and more people talk about that, is that it's not a time in the gym, it's how you use your time. And essentially a lot of guys in wellness who and all the people that you know and you've been on their shows at the front end of, I guess, biohacking is saying that it is the essential things like deadlifts and squats and bench. Go back to the old school heavy, heavy lifting, but not heavy as in you can't do it, but heavy where it starts to test you for, what, three to five reps? There seems to be a big, big pushback to that now. That's true. Although I still find there's a lot of the gyms are still offering like one hour classes and, the, you know, the CrossFit seems to have like one to one and a half hour sessions. I still find a lot of people doing that. But you're right, all the research is showing that the heavy, shorter, shorter sessions are much better. Do you find that that is changing now, Smithy, that view on why we go to the gym and what we want to get from a run or a triathlon or a gym session? Yeah, people are definitely focused more on the, uh, the smarter way of doing it. Like I have nothing against people, you know, training for a marathon or doing anything like that. It's good to have those goals, but when people see that as doing it to be healthy, which it's not, it's like a, a challenge rather than a health experiment. Like it's good to do those challenges, but as far as getting healthy, you want to do those, yeah, those 
15, 20, 30 minute sessions. And yeah, mix it up with that strength, mobility, flexibility. You're the man. You are the go to man. You're gold. You're the golden Vancouver man. He makes us look good. Yeah, you're the the golden tea. That's what it's been today. The golden tea, testosterone, the golden tea. What order do we do this in? Like if I if I listening to this podcast and I recognize some of the symptoms that we're talking about in terms of testosterone or anything that we talk about on the show, is it your recommendation that we go see a doctor first and make and discount anything serious or take up take up your recommendations or take up something that works for us? And, and then two or three months down the track, if that's not working, then go see a doctor. What, what way around do you do it? I recommend people go and get a reasonably comprehensive test as, or as much as they can from their doctor once a year. And that way they can track trends. They can see, you know, if you don't want to wait until they say, oh, you've got such and such a problem or, you know, really high cholesterol. Or, so doing the blood tests on a regular yearly basis can track trends. I would then always focus on the simple things like your diet, making sure you're sleeping seven or eight hours and, and doing smart exercise. And then for 80% of people, that will work. If, if someone's got digestion problems or under incredible stress or they've got anxiety or depression, there's further more detailed testing and that's, they're the sort of tests that I do to work out why that's happening. So for most people, starting with the basics is enough and if people are have done that and have still got issues, you might want to check your gut health or hormones, cortisol, those types of things. So, Smithy, those who want to find you and or contact you, where do you send them, mate? Uh, just to my website, Planet Naturopath. So if you just go to planetnaturopath.com, you can always contact me through there, there and I can organise any testing or we can even, you know, organise a time and uh, for a consultation and just chat about your priorities and how I can help. You're a golden maple leaf. Thank you, mate. No worries, guys. The Mojo Radio Show. <laughs> we don't take ourselves too seriously. Oh, thank God. We haven't spoken to Smithy for ages. Be a good year. He's great. I like Smithy. He is. He's great, guys, and he's always good value and knows his shit, more importantly. Well, no. And Smithy doesn't waste words. And no. he is bang on the money. Like you can go online and check out and double check the stuff he talks about and you will find references, data and science to back up. And he walks the talk. He really is the go-to guy. And I'm, I'm so stoked that he gives us his time for free because if we were paying for it, it would be costing us a bomb, <laughs> which we don't have. No. So no. He's, uh, he's a wonderful resource for us. Thanks, Smitty. You're a legend. The Mojo Radio Show. Okay, this is perhaps one of the greatest closes to the Mojo Radio Show because Ooh. it's Sabbath time. It's Sabbath time. I like Sabbath time. What are you, how are you going to link that? Imagine Black Sabbath mm. throbbing from the speakers at a yoga class. I can't imagine that. I'm sorry. <laughs> German-born Saskia Thode has created a new class and it's called Metal Yoga Bones in Brooklyn in the United States. Now, gone is the meditative state that you typically associate with yoga. And what happened was that Saskia was doing the typical normal yoga, which is quite meditation type stuff, and went, no, there's going to be a different way to do this. I'm not digging it. So she created Metal Yoga Bones, which is referred to as hellish fire. Now, it's all about in-your-face poses. You can imagine what I've left out there. Shouting, screaming, and it features punching, kicking, air guitar, (laughs) head banging, 
and you sweat and stretch and anybody can play. And the story goes that Saskia, big fan of the show, found the traditional yoga studios too uptight and too judgmental. And if you look at Saskia, she's pretty rock and roll. She founded Metal Yoga Bones as her own brand of high-intensity, high-decibel yoga. What's curious about this is that marketing warfare rules dictate if you can't own a category, create your own. If you want to create a yoga studio, you can't own yoga. So what you need to do is create your own category. And this is a perfect example of creating your own category. Metal yoga bones is basically heavy metal yoga, which doesn't exist. So automatically you found yourself a point of difference. And the other thing I really like about what Saskia has done is she doesn't care whether anybody comes or not. She just digs it. But she found something that solved her own problem that she deeply loves and can get into. And thankfully, a few other people have loved it in Brooklyn and it's become a thing. And (laughs) apparently each class starts, and this is, quote, she takes a firm stance on her yoga mat and lets out a deep howl, (laughs) which she calls her warrior scream. I just think that story is absolute gold. So we've got to get this lady on the show. With all that said, let's get out today with Black Sabbath Paranoid. We're out.
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time. <laughs>